From Day to DeRocher to Giles, it's double play with DeRocher and Day. With their guest, Warren Giles, here's another chapter of Double Play with DeRocher and Day. Welcome to another visit with baseball's most exciting and controversial couple, Lorraine Day and Leo DeRocher, with their guest for today, Mr. Warren Giles, president of the National League. Now, this could be Leo's big opportunity. And from the looks of things, he's not wasting any time. In fact, he's sitting so close to Mr. Giles that Lorraine is slightly annoyed. Oh, for heaven's sakes, Leo, what are you doing now? Well, I've always wanted to get close to the president of the National League, and this is the best chance I... Come on. Well, Be serious for a little bit. All right. Yes, and fans, here's our chance to get serious with an interesting message for you. And now, back to double play, as Leo says... Well, you know, Warren, when you were general manager and president of the Cincinnati Ball Club, you know, you and I were allies. I thought maybe now that you're president of the National League, I'd get a little of my money oh, back. Oh, you like me because, because you could beat us all the time. Oh, uh, <laughs> we were a little lucky there. Hi there. So glad to be back with you again this week. And we have a very distinguished guest with us tonight, Mr. Warren Giles, president of the National League. First, I want to know, Mr. Giles, this I don't think Leo is expecting me to ask you. So I'm going to get oh, right into hot water with him right away. This is going to be but, good. You know, whenever there is an argument on the field or any kind of an incident between umpires and managers and players, in which my husband is usually involved. Usually, yes. Uh, yes, usually. Very <laughs> seldom. You know that. Well, I never happened to trouble you. New DeRocher now. Anyway, uh, what I want to know is I know that the umpires go home and they sit down and they write a report that very night about the whole incident and they send it to you. And your decision is based on that report. But what I want to know is, why don't uh, managers and players get to write a report? It's a serious thing. I asked the manager or the player to tell his side of it, too. It's probably an innovation in baseball, but I'll uh, probably have three or four innovations. And just by trial and error, they may work out good or bad. But I think every person ought to be able to tell their story before their discipline. It, it may not change the opinion of the league president at all, hearing his side of it. But I think he'll feel better having had a chance to tell his side of it. I think so, too. Well, uh, as long as you want well, you to better. say anything. Yes, I was just wondering when you're going to let me say something here. You know, Warren, I, I think you better keep that door open then uh, at your office because uh, <laughs> uh, I get thrown out quite a bit, you know, during the course of a season, although I am the new DeRocher. I doff my oh, cap to the boys yeah, now. And, yeah. That's and, not uh, what I hear. Oh, well. That's what you get in the report. <laughs> well, uh, uh, we think we're right, and uh, the umpire makes his decision, and he thinks he makes the right one. I don't know of any manager or any player in baseball that's ever questioned or doubted the integrity of an umpire. That has never been doubted, and we don't do that. Uh, question the eyesight a little bit once in a while on a play, and that's the reason for being thrown out. Ball players are pretty good sports. They are. I know. Too. They, they're, they're mad. They beef at the time, but after the, oh, the whole situation over and the incident's closed, why... They start a new day. That's right. I don't think a manager or a ball player wants to have an umpire up on the carpet. To, oh, uh, to no, call no. him up there. I, I think that, uh, that a manager and an umpire knows that when he has been fined, that you've weighed everything. I found it that way when our now commissioner, Mr. Frick, was president of the National League, and I'm sure that we'll find it that way. i got to, you know, polish the apple a little bit here, Warren. I hope he's listening. <laughs> yes, I hope yeah. that everything's all right. <laughs> all right. So, tell me, is there an umpire in the National League that wears glasses? No, I, I don't know. Oh, they may sneak them around the corner when they read the paper or something of that kind. I see nothing wrong with an umpire wearing glasses Neither do at I all. Have I ball players who wear glasses. Know, of course. Uh, all right. As a matter of fact, an umpire's vision uh, is not the determining factor in whether or not he's a good 
uh, umpire. You know, you hear so many people in the band yelling, ah, oh, why don't you wear glasses, you know? Oh, they call them blind, but that's, uh, that's an old baseball saying that'll live as long as the game lives, I believe. Uh, the greatest, greatest uh, asset an umpire can have is being able to handle situations. I, I that's think the main the same, thing. I think it's the same as managers, Leo. That's right. You get a half a dozen managers, uh, any one of them can tell when to steal, when to bunt, or something of that kind. You can get umpires, you can get boys that can say, well, the man... Bang, bang, whether he's safe or out. That's but right. If he gets in trouble, that's when the good umpire comes to the front. He handles the situation. Well, Mr. Charles, I have a, a letter here for you that uh, part of the letter says that I like to say hello to my favorite players before the ball game, but they say they are no longer permitted to talk to us fans. Why is this? And it's uh, asked by George Hankey, Patterson, New Jersey. Possibly it keeps them from talking to their friends, but then Joe Dolk's living or sitting next to this fellow. Hey, Jay, Leo, hey, hey, hey. And if you don't go over and talk to him... He's offended. So it's better just to cut the whole thing off it's when they get out there on the, on the field. I think it's just better. It was a rule long ago, too, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yes. It's nothing, it, it's it's nothing, nothing new. new. It's been in effect all the time that you shouldn't fraternize with other players as you walk on the field. Oh, no, uh, I'm talking about fans. I know. Well, that was always into effect that you shouldn't fraternize with players as you walk on the field and stop and talk to fans sitting in boxes or along the railing or anything like that. You just shouldn't do it. All right, why shouldn't you fraternize with players? What harm does that do? Because all of us know you've played on so many different clubs together and your friends after the game's over. Uh, I'm sure a lot of fans say, well, what harm does it do if they say, hi, uh, Johnny, how are you today? I'm definitely opposed to that because you you know, Leo, and we all know that these contests, these ball games out there, they're, they're hotly contested. But if the fans see the ball players, palsy wowsy, have their arms around, uh, yeah, 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 and they're... Then they get the idea that there's no, that there really isn't a contest. They say, well, they think it's like wrestling, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> and I'll tell you, and, and a few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago, that uh, there was uh, quite a discussion about uh, two players in the National League that were fighting for the batting championship, and one player, one of the two, on the last day of the season, got three hits and all three of them bunts. And uh, everybody wrote in the paper after that newspaper men that the third baseman for that club was playing back because he liked this fella and that he was a friend of his and, and uh, that they had gone out together and had dinner and things and that he played back and he bunted and got three hits. Well, I think uh, things like that, you say hello to a player and if a fan sees it, he says, uh, my, he might be pitching uh, and relieving and so-and-so comes up and he gets a home run. He says, well, he was talking to him before the game. I guess he told him he was going to do it. It isn't so. But you can't uh, tell what a fan is liable to think, so I think it's better if you just don't uh, have a lot of uh, fraternizing with players. It just looks better. That's looks right. Better. It looks what about, what about didn't Dizzy Dean like some one particular hitter? There were two ball players in the National League that Dizzy Dean was crazy about. One of them was the second baseman for the Giants named Huey Critz, and the other one was Whitehead, who also played with the Giants, Whitey Whitehead. And they used to come up, and Dizzy just uh, lay, he said, here's my boy Whitey, and he just lay a fast one right down through the middle. And one day in St. Louis, he laid a fast one right down the middle for Whitehead, and he had a line drive and hit Diz right in the head <laughs> and bounced down in the bullpen, and they carried Diz off the field, and Diz says, uh, well, that's all right. He said, that was my partner. That was my boy, Whitey. But he hit him right on the forehead with a line drive. <laughs> Did he throw him up any more easy ones after well, that? Well, he never got mad. Diz used to do that a lot. He had the confidence, too. If Whitey does get on, I'll strike out the next two. He sure. won't bother me. That's the way. No, there weren't many Diz around. He never scored no, very much no. on him. Well, right now, I think we should uh, take just a seventh inning stretch and let our sponsor say a few words. And now back to double play with Leo DeRocher and Lorraine Day and their guest for today, Warren Giles. 
Now let's go to the next one from Roger H. Winston, Toledo, Ohio, who says, The gang in our club always is arguing the merits of the National and American League. Which do you think is better? He should ask the three of us which we think is better. <laughs> he has a little prejudice. He is yeah, quite a I'm afraid he's liable to get into the trouble here, but we'll let Mr. Giles answer that one. That's... Well, I think uh, we can <clears throat> let Mr. Giles answer it by my uh, telling him about the wire you received in spring training when you said, uh, Mr. Giles said in his wire, he said uh, that he wanted the National League clubs to win their exhibition games to prove to the people that the National League was the better club between the two. And I thought it was sort of strange, this wire, because uh, Leo had always told me that exhibition games, it really wasn't terribly important who won. The thing that was so important was that he could see his players, you know. Oh, I, I think you have to condition your ball club. That has to come first. But when you admire the text of my wire was that where you can do it without impairing your training program. That's exactly the way he meant the wire, because you, we had a meeting, I remember that. Well, that makes <clears throat> all the sense in the world. Of course it does. He, uh, Warren says that uh, I don't expect you to go out there and, and ruin a player or hurt a player uh, uh, in order to win a game from an American League club. He says, naturally, I know that you're trying to win and you're doing your best. He said, but I do think that when you play the inter-squad games and you do play clubs in the National League, that uh, that is the time that you would do more experimenting. And when you play the American League, that is our opponent and our opposition, and we should show the American League and the public that the National League is a better league. Why do you think the National League is better? I think oh, we have better young ball that. players. Of course, I may be a little prejudiced. I of course, he's only <laughs> the president of the National League. That would make but, it that way, I Yes, believe. but I mean, uh, but even being president, he could still yeah, have but a, maybe this idea of it. wanting the National League to beat the American League team, maybe that's personal, because... For 15 years in the National League, I had seven teams I could pull against. Mm -hmm. I had seven competitors. I had a lot of fun. Now I only have one, and that's the American League. So I have to have somebody to <laughs> that's shoot at. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to shoot at somebody. Well, uh, Victor Redding in Baltimore, Maryland, would like to know, do you think the pitch pitchers have any basis for their complaints that most of the recent rule changes have been to their disadvantage? Oh, I don't think so. It all depends. Those viewpoints and the headlines in the newspapers about the dead ball... You'll have two or three games where some pitchers pitch effectively and pitch some shutouts. Then the newspapers will be full of the idea, oh, they've deadened the ball. Something's happened to the ball. Then the next week there'll be some big scores. The jackrabbit ball is back in again. I think the, the, the hitters who are having a little difficult time with that big bat and maybe a little difficult time with the curve ball and that change up, seeing it a little bit, and that fastball is going right. there, they say, oh, you've helped the pitchers a lot. Well, what about the uh, strike zone? That oh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. that. Somebody seems to think that the strike zone has been narrowed. If the strike zone, I happen to be on the committee that recodified or defined the rules two or three years ago. They didn't change the rules. We asked the umpires, where do you, where's the top of the strike zone? They say, right across the letters. Well, you can't have the letters, so they'll, one team will come out with the letters down here, <laughs> and the next day they'll come out up, up here, from the bottom of the armpits to the knees. Now, that, that hasn't helped or hurt the pitchers. I think some of the umpires exaggerated it possibly when the thing first came in, but there was no attempt to narrow the strike zone at all, Leo. Some of your pitchers and your hitters may think so. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, uh, they always will, no matter how big you'd make it. They'd, they'd always have a complaint. But look, Warren, the, uh, I mean... Uh, Just a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry, Leo, we've run out of time. We, we really have? We can't run out of time. Just one minute. I think you want uh, Warren. Who am I? I'm going to have a little of the money back, will you, in case I get in trouble? Uh, it's been... Too tough getting it, Leo. I think you've been a little bit too good. We're going to keep every dime. All right. Okay. <laughs> every dime. <laughs>
I, I'm sorry, but we really have run out of time, and it's been a pleasure, Mr. Giles, to have you on the show, and I'm sure all of our fans have enjoyed listening to you and talking to you. We'll see you next week, same time, same station, okay? You've been listening to another chapter of Double Play with baseball's most exciting couple, Lorraine Day and Leo DeRocher. Today, Lorraine and Leo had as their guest Warren Giles. Join us when again it's time for Double Play with Leo DeRocher and Lorraine Day plus another big-time guest star. Double Play is produced by Marty Martin, directed by Ted Nealon, and is a Mar-Ted production. <laughs>